everybody, this is So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. And I'm David. Why was there no sound, Andrew? What happened? I whispered. Oh, I see. Let's talk about some uh, some news that's been going on in the movie world lately. Yes. A few, a few big things. Um, Are we talk about my favorite my favorite thing first, or um, do we, we want to get the, the, the more newsy thing out of the way first? Let's get a couple newsy things out of the way first so we can end on the fun one. On the hype. On the hype. So first off, um, this, you know, we'll just briefly touch on this because it's, it's a little dated by now, but a lot of people, you know, you've probably seen that uh, the Golden Globes it will not air on NBC next year. That's true. That's we true. Don't, we, huh? Such a shocker. Yeah, we don't know if they'll air at all, quite frankly. Um, probably best that they don't. Yeah. <laughs> Considering, you know, it'd be wild if another network was like, we'll take it. I mean, are, but are they going to present it? Are they exactly. going to like give out the awards? Right. There's a lot of questions up in the air about it that we just don't know the answer to yet because it all um, was kind of so sudden in terms of action. I know that, you know, there have been complaints about the um, Hollywood Foreign Press Association for, for a long time, but um, hmm. we went from like zero to 60 super fast in terms of holding them accountable. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I saw I initially saw that some some A-listers came out. Um, Scarlett Johansson was one of the first ones to say, you know, they have serious problems that need to be addressed. And then it kind of snowballed from there until NBC dropped them completely and said, we're not, you know, we're not going to air them next year. We are open to airing them in 2023 if you get your uh, crap together. But <laughs> next year is a no-go. And then Tom Cruise gives his awards back. Yeah, wild. <laughs> That's crazy. And I'm surprised we didn't see anybody else. Anybody else jump in on that? And well, yeah, I I agree that it's wild that Tom Cruise was the only one. Because I mean, listen, that man is not not problematic. So when when he when you've crossed his line, uh, you might be pretty messed up. Well, and it's kind of funny to think about because you think about Tom Cruise, and I don't really think of him as Golden Globe Award winner Tom Cruise. So I was like, Tom Cruise is giving back his Golden Globes. And I was like, Tom Cruise won Golden Globes for what? And it's actually for pretty decent roles. Right. You know, pretty different. Movie. But I was like, I was like, oh, I guess Tom Cruise won some Golden Globes. I completely forgot about that. But like, it's, it's crazy that like, it's crazy that he's giving them back mm-hmm. and, I don't know where I was going to go with that. But, like, the only thing I was going to say was, was that, like, for Tom Cruise to give those things back, you know, I will say that Tom Cruise is kind of on a streak right now because whenever they started, whenever they were filming, I guess, Mission Impossible 7, like, he was one of the first ones to, like, really get angry at the crew for not wearing a mask and following CDC protocols. That's true. And, you know, now all of a sudden he's, you know, he's joining the protest, which you never hear out of him. So, and I mean, giving back your Golden Globes, that's a, um, that's a bigger, that's a bigger than just, hey, we're not going to show you next year. That's like, I'm done with you completely. And a lot of these studios are saying they're done completely. Like they're not going to submit stuff for Golden Globe consideration um, unless things change really drastically and they're not going to support, they're not going to, they're not going to, um, have their 
casts, do press. And I'm going to have the directors talk to anybody affiliated with the Golden Globes or the Hollywood Foreign Press. That's pretty great. That's pretty, I mean, that's scorched earth. So yeah, it is. Um, I'm interesting to see gonna, how it develops over the next year. Uh, then I wonder what's going to kickstart the, uh, the award season next year. You know, because that usually does. Yeah, there won't. I mean, I don't really know what comes next after the Globes, typically. SAG? <laughs> Probably, or the Critics' Choice. And those are on, like, cable networks, so they're not yeah. as big of a deal audience-wise. But, um, you know, who knows? It's it's pretty crazy. Who knows if the Globes will recover? I honestly feel like a lot of people probably wouldn't care if they don't. Um, you know, of the of the award shows for, for film and TV... That's the one that kind of gets dunked on the most. Uh, a lot, it constantly made fun of. Uh-huh. Um, you know, when the few times that Ricky Gervais hosted, basically his whole shtick was telling everyone how stupid it was while he was hosting it. Yeah. Um, clearly, the the stars don't take the awards seriously. Um, Tom Cruise said, <laughs> by giving his awards back, he basically said these mean nothing to me. Yeah. So. I, Maybe they may not come back and that may be okay. Or they may not come back on television. They might just be, you know, a war quiet, quietly handed out and no one really cares. There's no fanfare. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if, I mean, I don't know anybody who's like the golden globes is like the top Escalon thing. I don't even think like overseas, you know, it's a foreign press. I don't even think overseas it's like considered that big in any of its, any of the other respective country. I'm pretty sure most, like British or European actors would rather have a BAFTA than have a golden globe. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm looking at it. Um, you know, I mean the, the golden globes are big. I mean, uh, I guess you have like the national society of film critics usually launches off January. Um, things will get bigger with, yeah. SAG awards are usually right after the golden globes, the Annie awards uh, at the beginning of February usually. So, I mean, really, kind of just a straight shot waiting for the academy awards in march you know at this yeah. point yeah oh the raz the razzies will kick off the award season now well okay so we start with the worst and work our way up that's what they should do that's hey. the, the razzies <laughs> hey, the razzies should should vie nbc for this spot why not <laughs> you, know? you know honestly i would watch that people would watch the razzies over watching the golden globes i think I think it would. I think more people would tune in for a night of having fun and making and laughing at ourselves, laughing at cinema, than they would for the Golden Globes' second-rate show. Well, to touch base on what you said just a second ago, when they say Hollywood foreign press and when they're talking about foreign movies in the foreign market, really not a lot of foreign films are nominated. It's like once in a blue moon that they get nominated for for really anything, and. It's uh, it's weird that like yeah like when you think of the Hollywood Foreign Press like it's a it's a precedent that if you win a Golden Globe you have to thank them you know because they and they all say the same thing so they kind of got their foothold on it but maybe they'll just mail them in well or if they do them at all we'll see what happens who knows what else we got in the news this week Josh. So we've also got um, some new information 
from Disney recently Mm -hmm. about their um, plans for distribution. Mm. Um, You know, they've, they've been experimenting with putting films out on Disney plus through um, their new premier access program, as well as um, just on Disney plus for current subscribers, but they did that with soul. They're planning to do that with um, Luca and Black Widow will be released through the premiere access. Um, and so will the upcoming Jungle Cruise. But they've said that they're going to commit to this 45-day um, theater exclusivity window that some of the other studios have done um, for um, Shang-Chi, which will, you know, I forget the order now, but I think that's the next Marvel movie after Black Widow. Am I right there? That's correct. Black Widow in July, and I think... Uh, when I had to look up when Shang Chi. Yeah, so that'll be the first Marvel film to get back to a theater exclusive time period. Um, but I think generally the 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 main um, conversation point around this is that it seems like yeah. um, forty five days will be the new normal for um, movie theaters. Um, I think it used to be. Was it 90 before? It was 90 90 days, yeah. It was 90 days before. um, I think unless the movie met certain financial expectations, then it it dropped down to like 60 or 55 or something like that. Yeah. So it would would be 90 days before you would see a movie pop up um, on on physical disc or on demand somewhere. And now that's going to plummet down all the way to like a month and a half, Mm. which is going to be interesting to see how that kind of unfolds yeah it makes a lot of sense in some ways because in most cases movies have made most of their money by by that point um and so it kind of makes sense to get it out faster after that but i don't know it'll be interesting yeah i can't remember specifically but i know that there is somebody's deal includes that uh somebody signed a deal that would be that would say that like movies will have a uh two week release i think unless the movie does unless the movie makes more than 50 million dollars opening weekend and then it goes to 45 days and i can't remember who whose deal that was it might have been i think cinemark was involved with that but i can't remember but anyhow yeah the movie windows the, the window for movies getting smaller it used to be that yeah if a movie did bad you would see it show up on dvd like three months later and you'd be like you're like oh that movie must not have done very well um and, you know, I, 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 I looked this up because I thought it might be the case. I wondered if, you know, blue, like home video sales were way down because of streaming. And it turns out actually they're not. The home video sales are actually pretty much right where they've always been. So that's an interesting facet that would be interesting to see how it keeps going. But, um, you know, it's kind of it's a, it's, a, it's a long stretch from the days, um, you know, before VHS was as common as it was. Movies would stay in theaters for like, you know, a year, you know, Um they would be in, and, and you'd, some movies would just come back every season, you know, um, they'd be in for, they'd be in for a while. They go out and then just come, they, you know, they, it's summer season again. We'll put, we'll have out the new movies and a whole bunch of the old movies that are still, still available. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. And then finally we'll wrap up this segment with, uh, the, the exciting news. Um, we've been getting like this almost daily drip of new cast members being added to knives out too. Yes. Very exciting. Yes. Knives Out um, 2 is, is something I'm very much looking forward to. 
Yes. Yeah. So Knives Out 2, um, just to remind everyone, was the whole franchise was purchased by Netflix, basically. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what did they, was it two more movies to make a trilogy? At least two. At, at at least least two, two yeah. more? So, two more so movies, the next probably the option movie, is there for more. The next two Knives Out movies will go um, to Netflix with um, writer-director Ryan Johnson still in charge of that. And we found out that, um, obviously, we know that Daniel Craig will be returning. Mm-hmm. Um, but added to the cast this time will be, first, we learned about Dave Bautista. Yep, the animal. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but okay. <laughs> I assume that's a wrestling thing. It is. That's his, that was his nickname. He was the animal Batista. Uh, then we learned about um, Edward Norton, mm-hmm. the, uh, narrator. The, uh, <laughs> the narrator, the Hulk, the Hulk. Everyone forgot about. Yep, yep. Everyone's favorite. <laughs> um, then, then we've got Janelle Monae. Yes, who is fantastic. Has okay. Now you have to help me with this because I think I, I've heard of Janelle Monae, but is she mostly known for singing? I, I don't know very many of her acting performances. She is a singer. Yes, she she is a singer. Did she act. like open the Oscars a year, two years ago? You know, I think she. I know. I think I know what you're talking about, and she definitely did something. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, but she has been in. She was in Hidden Figures, um, notably. Antebellum. Mm-hmm. Yes, an antebellum, which came out, uh, which was a 2020 COVID <laughs> release that kind of got forgotten about, I think, because that's what happened. Um, yeah. And then, um, most recently, as of recording, we got Catherine Hahn. It was Agatha all yes. along. That's right, y'all. Yes, you missed the Catherine Hahn news? I guess I did. Yeah, Catherine Hahn is joining the cast. Well, hot diggity. I so, love Catherine We've we've already got a, a, a stellar cast so far, and I'm mm-hmm. if it's gonna if it's gonna be the same size as the first movie, we still got a few more people to come our way. I know, and another thing, I'm just sitting over here quietly manifesting Timothy Oliphant into this movie. That's all I'm doing. Okay, you've already nailed like four of David's favorite people right now. So like, just give me to the Timothy Oliphant. Maybe I'll get my wires crossed. I'll get Walton Goggins in there. I'll take that too. Oh just my god! Give me, give me. The movie that I want to see. It's already so great. I love the first Knives Out. We talked about it, uh, you know, in uh, 2019 when we did our best of 2019. It was still one of my favorite movies of that year. Yeah. Um, so good. Can't wait. You know, it might, we might have to, it might be 2024 before we get to do it, but I can't wait to sit down. Who knows? And talk about all three of these movies uh, when they happen. Uh, you know, uh, as a part of the show, it'll be great. Or we'll talk about Knives Out too. I'm sure when it comes out. But uh, what are you guys thinking? Are you guys excited? So excited! I was already excited, and now, now that I see who's in it, and I'm even more excited. You know, it's going to be another Who Done It, mm-hmm. and all, without knowing anything, mm-hmm. any of these new people could have done it. <laughs> Yes. They all fit the bill of someone who'd have done it. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think it's. I, I really want the characters. I really want the actors to get the chance to disappear into these characters. Like I feel mm-hmm. like that first cast did because yeah. um, so much of the cast just is, it is not necessarily playing to the type that you, I think expect for them to play. Um, and I really want, like, I want to see, 
I want to see Batista looking like the least like Batista he's ever looked. That's what I that's what I'm kind of hoping for. Or the most Batista he's ever looked. But I think we're getting that in Army of Darkness. I'm already going to say that Edward Norton can can be both, you know, an innocent person and a guilty person because mm-hmm. he's played more than one character before mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In, the, in a single movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm hoping that Ed Norton is like, uh, when he's like an old stoner uncle who's like a member of, you know, like he, he's just hanging around, <laughs> you know. That's what I'm hoping. And he just needs money from time to time. Yeah, he's just coming in and he didn't know what was going on. Anyway, all right, super excited about that. So that's that, Um, and we will uh, move on to our review next. How fun is this? Wow! (laughs) Welcome to the show. This is where we uh, tell you about the movies we've watched. That's right. And uh, other related things, and and we're just here to have a good time. Yes. Um, Because we're all here for a good time, I think. That's right. We're going to try to have some fun today talking about a very fun movie. Today is going to be fun. We're talking about an animated movie. Now, have we talked about an animated movie yet this season? Ryan the Last Dragon. That's true. Although that movie is was great, and you can go listen to our review, but this one is different. <laughs> Very uh, different. Today we're talking about The Mitchells versus The Machines, which is a Netflix film from Sony Pictures Animation. They have some kind of deal with them, I guess, now. Um, this movie was... Uh, Produced by uh, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, the creative minds behind uh, so much. a lot of great things, notably the Lego movie, um, the team behind Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is on, uh, did this movie. Um, so very, very um, A-list, high-level animation people. This movie stars a great voice cast, as many of them do. Now... Um, I'm going to just go ahead and throw out my spoiler warning here. This is a pretty fresh movie. So, um, uh, you know, we, we'll probably spoil it for you if you listen too much, but we'll try to keep it on the down low, I guess. I don't know. I'm, I'm like playing through it in my head. I'm trying it's to possible think. we could get deep into spoilers. It's possible we could not. We don't really know yet. Yeah, I think I that's think, a fair spoiler. Well, yeah, we could get deep. We could stay relatively cautious. We'll, so, I'll just give a blanket warning there. Discussion so this, will dictate. <laughs> this movie stars Abby Jacobson, Danny McBride, uh, Maya Rudolph. <coughs> I was trying to just name the Mitchells. Hang on. Yes, Mike Rianda. I don't know how to pronounce his name. He's also the director. And then a great cast of supporting actors... From Olivia Coleman to Eric Andre, um, Chrissy Teigen and, and John Legend, Beck Bennett and Fred Armisen, and a lot uh-huh. of even uh-huh. better cameos after that. That um, I'll leave those. I'll leave some cameos for a surprise. How about that? Yeah. So um, the Mitchells versus the Machines is about a you know simple American family who are just so happen to be living during the onset of a robot apocalypse. <laughs> Um, the normal the road trip. The huge. The huge. Yeah, it's a it's a family movie. It's a road trip movie. It's a coming of age tale, and it is a dystopian um, techno technological nightmare. So we'll start. 
let's get Andrew's thoughts first. He told us that he actually like just finished the movie prior to this. So his his take should be the freshest of the bunch. Andrew, what did you think? Okay, so I really, really wanted to like this film. And watching it, like, I just, as I was going through it, and, you know, it's it plays, it plays on the, uh, let's see, how to describe this? It builds on the, oh, the hell with it. I freaking love this movie. This movie was great. I absolutely right. loved it. It was so good. <laughs> no, it really was. Like, it was, I got a great, great, great time out of this. It was funny from the beginning all the way to the end. It was touching. It rivals Pixar. <clears throat> excuse me, Pixar. And it's, uh, the, the voice cast is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And and it was just all around fun and also kind of adorable. I love the dog. Love. Agreed. Man, Agreed. You, you psyched us out on that one. I really have it going. Yeah, I, I did too for a minute. I because I was trying to think of ways you might not or reasons you might not like it, and I could come up with a few in my head on the spot, but I still disagreed. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was like, well, I'm ready, I'm ready to refute whatever he's going to say here, but oh, it's going to sure. be fun. You know, it is, it, but it, it is one of those movies that, like, I can understand people being like, I didn't expect to like this movie. I could see people going like, I have no idea. I like, it looks like, you know, maybe, like, maybe superficially it looks generic from the outside, but on the inside, there's so much cool stuff going on there. Like, Netflix just has, like, I will say in the, in the beginning years of their original content, when it comes to original movies, they were very rough. Mm -hmm. And now I think they are, they are actually coming into their own game. Yeah. Well, let's not give Netflix too much credit here. Well, I mean, it is a Sony pictures movie. That's true. Okay. But like, I mean, but, but what I'm saying here is, is that like, it's, 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 they're, they're getting better at it. <laughs> Maybe they're spending their money better. <laughs> yeah. Distribution yeah. They've definitely had a good eye for, 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 for good yeah. movies. They're getting better. Um, you know, this movie actually had a pretty unique, uh, I was reading a pretty unique uh, uh, element in that perhaps, this is so to suggest here, for the first time in history, an animated animal was voiced by an actual version of the animal. That Doug the pug was the voice of uh, what was the name of the dog in Manchi. Manchi, um, and it's the first time that an actual animal, an actual dog, has played a dog in an animated film. Usually, <laughs> they just get well-known voice actor Frank Welker, who's literally been in every movie, every animal you've ever heard on film. And I'm not joking when I say that. Like since 1979 or something, he's every animal you've ever heard on film. And uh, so this is kind of a unique, uh, you know, real, real dog barks, real dog noises that you get from uh, Internet famous Doug the Pug. Uh, to, 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 I, I guess I probably saw this the second most recently. I loved it. This movie has such a fun energy uh, as the kids would say. It has a great vibe. Um, I love, you know. You can see how um, one of the producers said that this movie was influenced by uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And you can see that in the little overlays that they have. Like the movie has a lot of like 
um, hand-drawn doodle appearances will like show up on screen. It's very like, it's kind of reminiscent of Into the Spider-Verse with like the comic book sound effects coming off or, you know, like the text appearing. Um, it's like Scott Pilgrim in that way, which we reviewed recently. It's like, um, it reminded me of the video game Sunset Overdrive on Xbox. It has a lot of those kind of elements and in the, in the soundtrack here was, was like that too. So um, the characters are engaging. They're, you know, they're actually relatable. I think in a way, because a lot of times in these kind of movies, in, in a lot of movies like these, the parents are usually coming from like a really strict, unrelatable mindset that like the kid needs to change them on. And this was kind of a really nice scenario where both characters really needed to change each other a little bit and come and see from the other one's point of view a little bit. And I really appreciated that. Um, it's hilarious. It's loaded with comedians. Um, Conan O'Brien has a really funny cameo. So that was that was a ton of fun, um, yeah. And I, I I really liked it. It looked gorgeous. You know, Sony Animation uh, ha- every few years has awesome hits. Uh, they're probably the most underrated of the animation studios out there because um, they just knock. I mean, they just. I mean, every now and then they just knock one out of the park like this. Yeah, this is one that I think you. I almost. I'm going to try to compare it to onward to an extent in a, in a sense of like, this is a message that you don't really see all the time. And I, I think it, it's a, a father daughter connected movie, but I also think I connected to it on a really good level because I feel like it also does a good job of showing like middle American families put in a crazy situation, but it really highlights also a communication gap um, between a parent and their kid. Um, you know, parent, our, at least my parents look at things a, a different way than I do. And sometimes it can be hard to, you're, you're both wanting the same thing, but you're communicating it so differently that it comes across as you think there's a difference of opinion when you're both trying to get to the same end result. It's just a different way of looking. And I think that can frustrate a lot of people until you know and understand they everybody's looking out for the best of you they're just trying to do it in a different way and i think that is a communication gap that a lot of people have with generation to generation i think it's really highlights to, to talk to people and just figure out like what is the deal like what's up what and then you can deal? figure it out you and and what i liked about this movie is while it is an animation and it's a crazy funny situation it also is just regular people in a crazy situation. Whereas where I want to compare it to Onward is magical situations in a magical, in a scenario. I think it's really interesting that you can get this message across in an animated form where you can put them in an over the top situation in order to really emphasize the message that they're trying to get where you couldn't necessarily do that in as good of a way with a live movie. Yeah. Um, I, I really, I adored the movie. Um, I thought it was just a ton of fun. The, the voice cast does a really good job of, um, becoming those characters. You know, I think a lot of times in animated films, you can be distracted by the actors. And a lot of times some of the smaller, I don't want to say smaller, but like, you know, non Pixar movies, a lot of times will use celebrity to kind of sell their movie. Like, look at all the amazing people in this movie. And then it's not good. 
Um, I never felt distracted by who the voices were in this movie, like um, is common in some others. I also thought uh, it, it really seems like Sony is going with this style of animation as their um, brand. You know, mm-hmm. it's very reminiscent of Into the Spider-Verse. And since it was so successful and kind of, um, you know, I think the, sp- the animation in Spider-Verse was, was kind of game-changing in a way for animated films. And it seems like they're sticking with that, um, with this, which I think is smart. It helps set them apart from the other studios. Um, and then the story is just, is really good. You know, we've got that, um, family dynamic that, that we've talked about already, but it also, um, does a really good job of walking this fine line, talking about the dangers of technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's easy to fall. It's easy for movies to fall into a trap where you end up just lecturing the audience about social media from this kind of holier than thou standpoint. But the Mitchells versus the machines also make sure to illustrate how um, technology is really helpful for people like Katie, who, you know, there's a scene where um, Rick is like, we need to put our phones away and connect like a family. And Katie holds her phone and is like, this is how I connect. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's completely foreign to, to each of them that, how could she connect through that and how could he connect without it? Uh-huh. So it doesn't just lecture you about ah, technology is all bad. It's like, no, um, there's good in it too. And, and there needs to be a middle ground there. And we get that when um, <laughs> Rick towards the end gets a few hilarious scenes where he is just desperately trying to, to yes. type YouTube into this. <laughs> and he's like, I have to do it. He, you know, and he has to do it for his daughter. He's like, I'm going to I'm going to be a tech guy. I'm yeah. going to finally do it. Um, so they make they make that whole message a lot more fun. And then, of course, you know, it also goes on a much deeper level of critiquing, like obviously Pal as a company is is a uh, version of Apple mm-hmm. and how, you know, AI is this scary thing that, you know, the the idea of AI taking over is not new, but. No, directly, but directly comparing it to Apple was interesting. No, but the uh, the fun aspect of this, and even there's kind of like a little bit of like an Amazon a- a component there too. But yeah. <laughs> fun here is that the AI being so, um, like I, I guess so emotional. Like it's not like like it's an all powerful AI, but it's also like completely laden with human emotions of like resentment and yeah. anger and distrust and like these robots these ai that are chasing them are like completely fallible like they're not necessarily not like perfect robots that like never make mistakes they like are fooled by simple things or they can be uh uh, you know they can be sort of tricked or reasoned with in fun ways um the um and that plays out in really fun ways like you said josh the the the, uh, voice performances are great in this They, they disappear into the roles um like you said a lot of times um, lesser animated films. I don't I want to call them out, but lesser animated films cast a big name celebrity. And then it was just kind of like, Hey, here's that person. Right. Animated. Really like, fun we're just kind of taking their personality and animating it. Um, and that usually isn't necessarily the best. Those aren't usually the best animated films. This one uses their acting abilities to their you know, strengths. Um, yeah. 
um, ton of fun. I, I particularly uh, really liked all of the uh, weird aesthetics of the robots. I thought like they looked really crisp and clean. I thought that um, Pal was really was a fun character, a fun bad guy. Um, and um, I think the climax of the movie where they where, you know, the, you know, everything comes together um, that really like actually. It just, I don't know. There's something about it. it. Just this movie works just so well, and it's it's really kind of hard. It's one of those inarticulate thing things that I, I just can't really say why. But um, for I me, think I think it's because who watches it, I think will love it. I think that it, I think for us especially, and I've seen this throughout the other reviews, is that this is like a film nerds. Like if you could make a thing to express whatever you feel, this is it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why it's so like connectable to us as we see a lot of ourselves in like Katie and, and a little awkward, but like, you know, we're trying our best and we're trying to connect with these people that don't necessarily understand what we're trying to put out and get these messages across. So I think for like a lot of film nerds, there have been a lot of comparisons to that. Uh, I also think that it really is just connectable uh, to my family specific. There are two moments in this movie where I just lost it. But, well, throughout the whole movie, I was losing it, laughing, crying, happy, sad, whatever. Um, but the two moments that stand out for me are when every single member of the family had the screwdriver that the dad made everybody carry. Mine is like the inverse of that, where one year, every single member of my family bought my dad a tape measure because he would always lose his and he would always need it. And so we all just would buy him... So what it was every it was my mom, my sister, was uncoordinated me, though? grandpa, all that. Everyone bought him a tape measure, like a pocket-sized tape measure. But was and, this un, was this an uncoordinated tape nope, measure purchase? This was absolutely this was absolutely coordinated. Okay, to everyone get him a tape measure. It's not uh, like the, um, I can't remember who. There's like a comedian who was like, one year, three different uncoordinated family members bought me <laughs> the same Judy Bloom book. No, I never no. understood why that happened. This, I can't remember who it, whose joke that this was. was. Absolutely a coordinated gift. Um, and then the other one was Mom Ninja. Mom yes. Ninja was one of the most connectable moments where, and throughout the whole film, I, my mom, like I saw bits and pieces of my mom uh, in, in her, and no more than Mom Ninja. That was just, you touch my kids, I'm, that's it, and I'm going to get you. And it was so unexpectedly funny and then when she came back around it was yeah. oh my god and like she had been through like she had been through like <laughs> decades long war they, yeah, there was, was a pre and a post that moment in life that's how that worked yeah i um i actually um i didn't really you know it's kind of funny. i didn't necessarily relate but i did relate to an aspect of the idea of kind of going to college and meeting people that already have the same interests as you and kind of looking forward to that. I remember when I went to school, I, I really, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed acting and performing and I was going to RSU and they had like a theater program and I'd already talked to, I'd met the director at the time and he invited, you know, like he, he said, Hey, I, you know, come on up, you know, we have auditions every year. And I was so excited to meet other people who liked acting compared to my high school, which was kind of like nobody was really into it at the time. Some people, you know, and the, the other ones that did, I didn't really like. So, <laughs> but I was, I, you know, I can relate to that idea of being like ex- excited to meet like-minded people. And it's such a fun experience when you get that chance. Um, but I also, 
get where her dad's coming from of like, Hey, don't build this up in your head to be a certain way because life doesn't always work out the way you want things happen, things change. So I was really nervous that she was going to go to school and like, nobody was going to like her or nobody's going to like her stuff. And she was going to get this rude awakening, but luckily that didn't happen. <laughs> well, and I think that goes to the uh, communication gap that I was, that I mentioned where a lot of kids feel like, I don't know. They feel like they their parents are trying to hold them back sometimes when they just want the best for you. And, and there's that communication gap of like, I know that you're in my corner, but you got to let me go out and do this thing and see what happens. Like, I know I'm protected and safe here, but let me go try this thing because I, you have done such a good job of letting me know that I am protected and safe here that I want to be able to try these things and just see if it works. And if it doesn't, then I'm perfectly safe to come back here. Um, but it's a, a fear thing of a parent letting go and a, a desire of a kid to go out into the world and just try something, even though they may not necessarily know everything. And it's just two different thoughts, even though their collective goal is the overall success of this person. Totally, totally. And um, yeah, you know, we talked about the animation. I, I kind of felt like there was a lot of, there's a lot of elements from Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. I actually thought there was a lot of things that matched up from the Cloudy with a Chance, Cloudy with a Chance movies that, um, the, um, that Lord and Miller also worked mm-hmm. on. Um, a lot of like the, the, the way that they move, the kind of the, 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 art, the, the, the body proportions of characters. Um, very funny. I really kind of hope that they do more like this. I hope this isn't the only one this isn't like a, a couple movies they do. I kind of really love this style that they've got going on at Sony Animation. Yeah, I, I beyond that, I'm going to need a lot more of just the Mitchells movies. Oh, yeah. I need the Mitchells versus everything. Manchi Shorts. Oh, Manchi Shorts. Look, I think Manchi was my favorite character. Star of the show. Uh, very funny. I laughed out loud at him a lot. Um, you know the best part about Manchi? what is i kept forgetting about him (laughs) he would be off frame for like a few he would be off frame for like like two three minutes and then he would just appear again and i would be like oh i know it was it was exactly the scenario of the dad of the of of you know you know surprising dad with manchi i would have that moment where i would forget about manchi and then manchi would just appear and i was like I was like, oh yeah, the dog yeah okay yeah i loved it when he when when he becomes a weapon (laughs) <laughs> to the robots and katie ties him to the hood and he's just yeah. like he's laughing. a he's, he's he's a paradoxical uh <laughs> no, equation <kid>. for the <laughs> robot <laughs> yeah i Too i love funny. i love that uh manji's appearance is what destroyed the robot <laughs> resistance or yeah resistance um you know, so good i don't i don't want to spoil too much of the movie too but you know um we got to talk about it here. This is the only chance we're going to have to talk about it. So spoiler alert, but dadgummit, y'all, that mall scene with the appliances and the Furbies. Yes. I did not have yeah. any idea what was going on, and I loved it all. I was like, Furbies? <laughs> they got, like, real licensed Furbies in this that, movie. I haven't seen a Furby in, like, 
20 years. That was 100% every millennial's nightmare was that their Furby was going to come to life. Not, not the geriatric ones, no. No, 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 not the geriatric ones. I was a little <laughs> Not geriatric that. millennials. But no, for real. real, they, real I never had a Furby, but uh, so many people were, I would hear them say that they just dreamed that their Furby came to life in the middle of the night and just destroyed them. With good reason. Those things are scary as hell. Well, often, I, you know, I had a Furby. Did everyone have a Furby? I, I did not, not have a Furby. I'm the only one who had a Furby? I resisted wow. that trend. I'm the real millennial. My wife had a Furby. I had a Tamagotchi, but okay, no so Furby. A couple of us have Furby. Oh, my parents were like, I ain't buying that. It would it would absolutely come awake and talk in my closet at all no. day and night. Nope. That was the thing. Don't like that. World I, that's why I never got one, is I didn't trust it. When the giant one walked out, that was great. And then Katie's reaction of, why would you make that? <laughs> Is valid. The conversation, like the 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 dialogue of the Furbies, is all like apocalyptic, and you know, like the great destroyer. Mm -hmm. You know, and like he's like, through the darkness, I shall once again return. Oh my god! Very (laughs) Indiana Jones, Temple of Doomsian. Like, like, like summon, summon him, summon him. It's very. I thought. I thought it was. I, I thought it was funny enough when a toaster that's been that's got the pal chip, all these uh, these appliances have the pal chip when a toaster shows up and it's like you are toast. I thought that was pretty funny and all these things we are going to destroy you. It's like the robot, the the old eighties uh, robot voice, and man, it just escalated to such a hilarious point. And then um, I remember seeing the, one of the first things I saw about this movie was somebody tweeting they destroyed them all for the vibe. And uh, I can't. I, I was like, I don't know what that means, but I'm gonna have to see this movie now. <laughs> <laughs> the Furbies really stole the show in that scene. But I, <laughs> I think my favorite, more subtle joke in there was when the Roombas were so excited to be called into battle and then just fell down the escalator. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious! It's a great side gag. And I love, um, I love the kid too, where he 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 basically takes a Furby after uh, I can't remember the little the, I can't remember the little brother's name, but he's like, oh, I can't stay mad at this guy, Aaron. Aaron yeah, um, Aaron was a really good character too. He was he was very funny, hilarious. Um, I really enjoyed Armisen and Bennett as the the two main robots that we see. Yeah, God, they're Bunch. just so funny. Eric uh, and Deborah Bot. Deborah Bot. Yeah. yeah. They're just hilarious. Okay, let's pause here. I did it again. <laughs> we got a 10-minute warning. I forgot again. That's okay. Well, hey, we'll wind her down here. I don't know if we're, we're just gushing at this point. We're just gushing. Yeah, we can wrap it up. Movie's great. You got to see it. It's it's on Netflix. Um, if you don't have a Netflix account by now, I'm, I'm surprised you're you're watching this. Uh, but check it out on Netflix. It's It's great. It's great. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I said, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, so I was just repeating. Really solid movie. Um, I I think we all highly recommend it. Um, like what I kind of said, do you us? Did you have for us? I have no box office stats. Um, apparently the pandemic basically canceled this movie in every every release window that it would have had, it had both domestically and internationally. Um, interestingly enough, you know this movie was going to be released in uh, January of last year under the title connected, which the, which was changed and the directors did not really like it. So when Netflix, when it went wound its way to Netflix, Netflix was like, we like kind of like that original title you guys had. So they went back to the Mitchell's versus the machines. Um, but this, uh, this movie predates the big Sony Netflix deal. 
Um, Netflix uh, bought the distribution rights for the film for $110 million. Um, so, I mean, the movie was about a, was, was around a, you know, 50 to $100 million movie. So instant profit um, didn't, didn't have to worry about that aspect. Um, and I think actually it may have the, the deal for this movie may have fostered the desire from Sony to change their deal from stars to Netflix. So, um, you know, it's partially because of, I guess, the, the working relationship they established with this particular movie that we're getting this big deal where Sony films are going to go to Netflix after release for a brief while before appearing in other, uh, other streamable places. I mean, um, that sounds way better. Cause why would you go to stars? I know stars. I don't, I, I don't know what the very niche right now, is. but, uh, yeah, that's, that's a, I'd rather go to Netflix. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I won the letterbox game this week, so I will uh, look it up. Okay. Our letterboxed, uh, number, oh, let me, let me switch. Oh yeah. Wait. Oh, branding. Okay. Letterbox King back in the building. Let's do this. All right. Um, <laughs> Mitchell's versus the machines has been uh, rated. It's been, uh, you know, uh, measured. Several people have reviewed it. Dozens of us. What is the rating that you think this movie has on Letterboxd, the uh, best fan site uh, in the community? Hmm. I don't know who first. You know, Andrew and Josh are both bringing up the rear in our overall Letterbox game stats, so uh, it's, a, it's a coin toss between them two. I'm going to go with 3.6. 3.6 from Andrew. Okay. John, um, I think it'll be. I mean, I think it's on the higher side of that. I don't think it's lower than that. So I'm gonna go with a. I'm gonna bump it all the way to a three point nine. Three point nine from Josh Garrett. I'm gonna go in the opposite direction because I think there might be some cynics. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm gonna go with a three two. A three two from Garrett. Well, I hate to say. Um, that you are all wrong, Bummer. but one of you got very close. Um, our winner this week is Josh. Hey. As of right now, this movie stands at a, I can't agree more, 4.0 on Letterboxd. Wow. Okay, that that's may good. change over time. It may drop to 3.9. I could see that happening. Or Better it may, not. It may bolster up, but a 4.0 on Letterboxd, hard to achieve. Um, granted, it is a fairly new movie. So we'll see to read a few of the top reviews, um, uh, Nicole says, most relatable character in fiction, a gay, pretentious film bitch who hates their dad. <laughs> uh, James said, why is Sony animation so good at making movies now? And then... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a great review that was a great that first one it's hard to beat this last one this um sabas called it the black called it the black panther for people who have a letterbox accounts yeah <laughs> <laughs> wow letterbox coming in hot with the with the, with the funny reviews yes hilarious reviews you could almost expect it for a movie that does kind of like has kind of a soft spot for for film and for for movies yeah. you know, that runs throughout this movie yeah, I was trying to see if any of our any of our uh, our our, our, our so many sequels followers had rated it. Not yet, but we'll, we'll get there. But they will after this episode drops, right? Right, you guys. will go to Letterboxd and uh, 
create an account if you haven't yet. Well, what do we, what do we rate it guys? I'll go first and give it, um, I've got to do it again. I've got to give it another five stars. It's been a good year. A lot of these are holdovers from last year, obviously, but it's been a good year for movies so far. Yep. I'm going to, I'm going to second that with another five. Uh, I cannot find a fault in it. Oh no. Oh, Okay, I, I froze. For hey, a I think we're back now. I, that was I froze for a bit there. What I gave it a five stars. We, yeah, we we lost Josh. Oh, we lost me. Yeah. Okay, well, I was going to second that with another five mm-hmm. because even if I try, I cannot come up with any real faults in this movie. Same five starsies, five starsies from me. Couple of a bunch of good movies that we've been reviewing lately. I mean, I think we all kind of had a downer of a start. That's what was coming out, but man, it has turned in this second quarter yeah Andrew, what you got well i was you know i was gonna give this a four and a half but you know we talked you up granted granted you know i just i just now i just now did it or i just now uh, watched it so there's really no reason why i should give this any less than a five so your pressure works it's a it's 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 a five star movie. It's it's I mean, very funny. It's we fun. are doling out the five stars this year. <laughs> we we are. are well, you know, we're starved for for good movies. Hey, and you know, a lot of leftover, a lot a lot of a lot of carryover movies. This was a 2020 release. Um, a lot of 2020 movies are coming out now here at the at the first part of the year. So, um, you know, 2021 is getting all the best <laughs> of 2020 that we didn't get. Yeah. 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 Very exciting. All right. Well, that wraps us up for this week. Be sure you subscribe to us on whatever your favorite platform to uh, enjoy this show is on. Um, subscribe to our YouTube channel or the podcast on your favorite podcasting app. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many others. And then, of course, follow us on social media and let us know what you thought about the Mitchells versus the Machines. You can DM us on Instagram. You can message us on Facebook. You can tweet us on Twitter. You can tick us on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Or you could uh, leave a review yep. for yourself on And then Letterboxd. follow us on Letterboxd. Boom. Um, yeah, we'll be back next time with another movie review here on So Many Sequels. Bye. <laughs>